Chapter Two, Part Two of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Three. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Celine Major. The Mysteries of Paris, Volume Three by Eugène Sue. Chapter Two, Part Two of The Arrest. One day, said Louise in continuation, the housekeeper went out directly after dinner, contrary to her usual custom. The clerks, none of whom lived in the house, were dismissed from further duty for the day and retired to their respective homes. The porter was sent out on a message, leaving Monsieur Ferrand and myself alone in the house. I was doing some needlework Madame Seraphin had given me, and by her orders was sitting in a small antechamber from whence I could hear if I was wanted after some time the bell of my master's bedroom rang i went there immediately and upon entering found him standing before the fire as i approached he turned around suddenly and caught me in his arms alarm and surprise at first deprived me of power to move but spite of his great strength i at last struggled so successfully that i managed to free myself from his grasp and running back with all speed to the room i had just quitted i hastily shut the door and held it with all my force unfortunately the key was on the other side you hear sir you hear said morel to rodolph the manner in which this generous benefactor behaved to the daughter of the man he affected to serve at the end of a few minutes continued louise the door yielded to the efforts of m ferrand fortunately the lamp by which i had been working was within my reach and i precipitately extinguished it the antechamber was at some distance from his bedchamber and we were therefore left in utter darkness at first he called me by name but finding that i did not reply he exclaimed in a voice trembling with rage and passion if you try to escape me your father shall go to prison for the thirteen hundred francs he owes and is unable to pay i besought him to have pity on me promised to do all in my power to serve him faithfully and with gratitude for all his goodness to my family but declared that no consideration on earth should induce me to disgrace myself or those i belonged to there spoke my louise said morel or rather as she would have spoken in her days of proud innocence how then if such were your sentiments but go on go on i was still concealed by the darkness which i trusted would preserve me when i heard the door closed which led from the antechamber and which my master had contrived to find by groping along the wall thus having me wholly in his power he returned to his chamber for a light with which he quickly returned and then commenced a fresh attack the particulars of which my dearest father i will not venture to describe suffice it that promises threats violence all were tried but anger fear and despair armed me with fresh strength and while i continually eluded his grasp and fled for safety from room to room his rage at my determined resistance knew no bounds in his fury he even struck me with such frenzied violence as to leave my features streaming with blood you hear you hear exclaimed the lapidary raising his clasped hands towards heaven and are crimes like this to go unpunished shall such a monster escape and not pay a heavy penalty for his wickedness trust me said rodolph who seemed profoundly meditating on what he heard trust me this man's time and hour will come but continue your painful narration my poor girl and shrink not from telling us even its blackest details the struggle between us had now gone on so long that my strength began to fail me i was conscious of my own inability to resist further when the porter who had returned home rang the bell twice 
the usual signal when letters arrived and required to be fetched from his hands fearing that if i did not obey the summons the porter would bring the letters himself m ferrand said go utter but one word and to-morrow sees your father in prison if you endeavour to quit this house the consequences will fall on him and as for you i will take care no one shall take you into their house for without exactly affirming it i will contrive to make every one think you have robbed me then should any person refer to me for your character i shall speak of you as an idle unworthy girl whom i could keep no longer the following day after this scene spite of the menaces of my master i ran home to complain to my father of the unkind usage i received without daring however to tell him all his first desire was for me to quit the house of m ferrand without delay but then a prison would close upon my poor parent added to which my small earnings had become indispensably necessary to our family since the illness of my mother and the bad character promised me by m ferrand might possibly have prevented me from finding another service for a very long time yes said morel with gloomy bitterness we were selfish and cowardly enough to allow our poor child to return to that accursed roof oh i spoke truly when i said want want what mean what degrading acts do you not force us to commit alas dear father did you not try by every possible means to procure these thirteen hundred francs and that being impossible there was nothing left but to submit ourselves to our fate go on go on your parents have been your executioners and we are far more guilty than yourself of all the fearful consequences exclaimed the lapidary concealing his face with his hands when i next saw my master said louise he had resumed the harsh and severe manner with which he ordinarily treated me he made not the slightest reference to the scene i have just related while his housekeeper persisted in her accustomed tormenting and unkind behaviour towards me giving me scarcely sufficient food to maintain my strength and even locking the bread up so that i could not help myself to a morsel she would even carry her cruelty so far as to wilfully spoil and damage the morsels left by herself and m ferrand for my repasts i always taking my meals after my master and the housekeeper who invariably sat down to table together my nights were as painful as my days i durst not indulge in sleep lest i should be surprised by the entrance of the notary i had no means of securing my chamber door and the chest of drawers which i used to fasten myself in had been taken away leaving me only a small table a chair and my box with these articles i barricaded the door as well as i could and merely lay down in my clothes ready to start up at the least noise some time elapsed however without my having any further alarm as regarded m ferrand who seemed to have altogether forgotten me and seldom bestowed even a look on me by degrees my fears died away and i became almost persuaded i had nothing more to dread from the persecutions of my master one sunday i had permission to visit my home and with extreme delight hastened to announce the happy change that had taken place to my parents oh how we all rejoiced to think so up to that moment my dear father you know all that occurred what i have still to tell you murmured louise as her voice sunk into an inarticulate whisper is so dreadful that i have never dared reveal it i was sure oh, too sure cried morel with a wildness of manner and rapidity of utterance which startled and alarmed rodolph that you were hiding something from me too plainly did i perceive by your pale and altered countenance that your mind was burthened with some heavy secret 
many a time have i said to your mother but she poor thing would not listen to me and even blamed me for making myself unnecessarily miserable so you see that weakly and selfish to escape from trouble ourselves we allowed our poor helpless child to remain under this monster's roof and to what have we reduced our poor girl why to be classed with the felons and criminals of a prison see see what comes of parents sacrificing their children and then too be it remembered after all who knows true we are poor very poor and may be guilty yes yes quite right guilty of throwing our daughter into shame and disgrace but then see how wretched and distressed we were besides such as we then as if suddenly striving to collect his bewildered ideas morel struck his forehead exclaiming alas i know not what i say my brain burns and my senses seem deserting me a sort of bewilderment seems to come over me as though i were stupefied with drink alas alas i am going mad so saying the unhappy man buried his face between his hands unwilling that louise should perceive the extent of his apprehensions as regarded the agitated state of the lapidary and how much alarm he felt at his wild incoherent language rodolph gravely replied you are unjust morel it was not for herself alone but for her aged and afflicted parent her children and you that your poor wife dreaded the consequences of louise's quitting the notary's house accuse no one but let all your just anger your bitter curses fall on the head that alone deserves it on that hypocritical monster who offered a weak and helpless girl the alternative of infamy or ruin perhaps destruction perhaps death to those she most tenderly loved on the fiend who could thus abuse the power he held thus prey upon the tenderest holiest feelings of a loving daughter thus shamelessly outrage every moral and religious duty but patience as i have before remarked providence frequently reserves for crimes so black as this a fearful and astounding retribution as rodolph uttered these words he spoke with a tone so expressive of his own conviction of the certain vengeance of heaven that louise gazed at her preserver with a surprise not unmingled with fear go on my poor girl resumed rodolph addressing louise conceal nothing from us it is more important than you can be aware that you should relate the most minute details of your sad story thus encouraged louise proceeded i began therefore as i told you to regain my tranquillity when one evening both m ferrand and his housekeeper went out they did not dine at home i was quite alone in the house as usual my allowance of bread wine and water was left for me and every place carefully locked when i had finished my work i took the food placed for me and having made my meal i retired to my bedroom thinking it less dull than remaining downstairs by myself i took care to leave a light in the hall for my master as when he dined out no one ever sat up for him once in my chamber i seated myself and commenced my sewing but contrary to my usual custom i found the greatest difficulty in keeping myself awake a heavy drowsiness seemed to steal over and a weight like lead seemed to press on my eyelids alas dear father cried louise interrupting herself as though frightened at her own recital i feel sure you will not credit what i am about to say you will believe i am uttering falsehoods and yet here over the lifeless body of my poor little sister i swear to the truth of each word i speak explain yourself my good girl said rodolph indeed sir 
answered louise you ask me to do that i have been vainly trying to accomplish during the last seven months in vain have i racked my brains to endeavour to account for the events of that fatal night sometimes i have almost grown distracted while trying to clear up this fearful and mysterious occurrence merciful heaven exclaimed the lapidary suddenly rousing from one of those fits of almost apathetic stupor into which he had occasionally fallen from the very commencement of this narration what dreadful thing is she going to tell us this lethargic feeling continued louise so completely overpowered me that unable any longer to resist it i at length contrary to my usual custom fell asleep upon my chair this is all i recollect before before oh forgive me father forgive me indeed indeed i am not guilty yet i believe you i believe you but proceed i know not how long i slept but when i awoke it was to shame and dishonour for i found m ferrand beside me tis false tis false screamed the lapidary in a tone of frenzied violence confess that you yielded to violence or to the dread of seeing me dragged to prison but do not seek to impose on me by falsehood such as this father father i call heaven to witness i am telling you the truth only i tell you tis a base falsehood why should the notary have wished to throw me in prison since you had freely yielded to his wishes yielded oh no dear father i would have died first so deep was my sleep that it resembled that of death it may seem to you both extraordinary and impossible and i assure you that up to the present hour i myself have never been able to understand it or account for it but i can do so at once said rodolph interrupting louise this crime alone was wanting to complete the heavy calendar of that man's offences accuse not your daughter morel of seeking to deceive you tell me louise when you made your meal before ascending to your chamber did you not remark something peculiar in the taste of the wine given you to drink try and recollect this circumstance after reflecting a short time louise replied yes i do indeed remember answered she that the wine and water left for me as usual had a somewhat bitter taste but i did not pay much attention to it because the housekeeper would frequently when spitefully inclined amuse herself with throwing salt or pepper into what i drank but on the day you were describing your wine had a bitter taste it had sir but not sufficiently so to prevent my drinking it and i attributed it to the wine being turned morel with fixed eye and haggard look listened both to the questions of rodolph and the answers of louise without appearing to understand to what they tended and before falling asleep on your chair did not your head seem unusually heavy and your limbs weary oh yes sir i felt a fullness and throbbing in my temples an icy coldness seemed to fill my veins and a feeling of unusual discomfort oppressed me wretch villainous wretch exclaimed rodolph are you aware morel what this man made your poor child take in her wine the artisan gazed at rodolph without replying to his question his accomplice the housekeeper had mingled in louise's drink some sort of stupefying drug most probably opium by which means both the bodily and mental powers of your unfortunate daughter were completely paralyzed for several hours and when she awoke from this lethargic state it was to find herself dishonoured and disgraced and now exclaimed louise 
my misfortune is explained you see dear father i am less guilty than you thought me father dear dear father look upon me bestow one little look of pity and of pardon on your poor louise but the glance of the lapidary was fixed and vacant his honest mind could not comprehend the idea of so black so monstrous a crime as that ascribed to the notary and he gazed with blank wonder at the words he heard as though quite unable to affix any meaning to them and besides during the latter part of the discourse his intellect became evidently shaken his ideas became a shapeless confused mass of wandering recollections a mere chaotic mass of griefs and sorrows possessed his brain and he sank into a state of mental prostration which is to intellect what darkness is to the sight the formidable symptoms of a weakened brain after a pause of some length morel replied in a low hasty tone yes yes it is bad very very bad cannot be worse and then relapsed into his former apathy while rodolph watching him with pained attention perceived that the energy even of indignation was becoming exhausted within the mind of the miserable father in the same manner as excessive grief will frequently dry up the relief of tears anxious to put an end as quickly as possible to the present trying scene rodolph said to louise proceed my poor child and let us have the remainder of this tissue of horrors alas sir what you have heard is as nothing to that which follows when i perceived m ferrand by my side i uttered a cry of terror my first impulse was to rush from the room but m ferrand forcibly detained me and i still felt so weak so stupefied with the medicine you speak of as having been mingled in my drink that i was powerless as an infant why do you wish to escape from me now inquired m ferrand with an air of surprise which filled me with dread what fresh caprice is this am i not here by your own free will and consent oh sir exclaimed i this is most shameful and unworthy to take advantage of my sleep to work my ruin but my father shall know all here my master interrupted me by bursting into loud laughter upon my word young lady said he you are very amusing so you are going to say that i availed myself of your being asleep to effect your undoing but who do you suppose will credit such a falsehood it is now four in the morning and since ten o'clock last night i have been here you must have slept long and soundly not to have discovered my presence sooner come come no more attempts at shyness but confess the truth that i came hither with your perfect good will and consent you must be less capricious or we shall not keep good friends i fear your father is in my power you have no longer any cause to fly me be obedient to my wishes and we shall do very well together but resist me and the consequences shall fall heavily on you and your family likewise i will tell my dear father of your conduct sobbed i he will avenge me and the laws will punish you m ferrand looked at me as though at a loss to comprehend me why you have lost your senses cried he what in heaven's name can you tell your father that you thought proper to invite me to your bedroom but invent any tale you please you will soon find what sort of a reception it will meet with why your father will not look at you much more believe you but you know cried i you well know sir i gave no permission for your being here you are well aware you entered my chamber without my knowledge and are now here against my will against your will and is it possible you have the effrontery to utter such a falsehood 
you dare insinuate that i have employed force to gain my ends do you wish to be convinced of the folly of such an imputation why by my orders germain my cashier returned here last night at ten o'clock to complete some very important papers and until one o'clock this morning he was writing in the chamber directly under yours would he not then have been sure to have heard the slightest sound much less the repetition of such a struggle as we had together a little while ago my saucy little beauty when you were not quite in as complying a humour as i found you in last evening germain must have heard you during the stillness of the night had you but called for assistance ask him when you see him whether any such sound occurred he will tell you no and that he worked on uninterruptedly during the very hours you are accusing me of forcibly entering your bedchamber ah cried rodolph the villain had evidently taken every precaution to prevent detection he had indeed as for me sir continued louise i was so thunderstruck with horror at these assertions of m ferrand that i knew not what to reply ignorant of my having taken anything to induce sleep i felt wholly unable to account for my having slept so unusually heavy and long appearances were strongly against me what would it avail for me to publish the dreadful story no one would believe me innocent how indeed could i hope or expect they should even when to myself the events of that fatal night continued an impenetrable mystery even rodolph remained speechless with horror at this fearful revelation of the diabolical hypocrisy of m ferrand then said he after a pause of some minutes you never ventured to inform your father of the infamous treatment you had received no answered she for i dreaded lest he might suppose i had willingly listened to the persuasions of my master and i also feared that in the first burst of his indignation my poor father would forget that not only his own freedom but the very existence of his family depended upon the pleasure of m ferrand and probably continued rodolph desirous if possible to save louise the painful confession probably yielding to constraint and the dread of endangering the safety of your father and family by a refusal you continued to be the victim of this monster's brutality louise spoke not but her cast-down eyes and the deep blushes which dyed her pale cheek answered most painfully in the affirmative and was his conduct afterwards less barbarous and unfeeling than before not in the least and when by chance my master had the curé and vicaire de bonne nouvelle to dine with him the better to avert all suspicion from himself he would scold me severely in their presence and even beg m le curé to admonish me assuring him that some day or other i should fall into ruin that i was a girl of free and bold manners and that he could not make me keep my distance with the young men in his office that i was an idle unworthy person whom he only kept out of charity and pity for my father who was an honest man with a large family whom he had greatly served and obliged with the exception of that part of the statement which referred to my father the rest was utterly false i never by any chance saw the clerks belonging to his office as it was situated in a building entirely detached from the house and when alone with m ferrand how did he account for his treatment of you before the cure he assured me he was only jesting however the cure believed him and reprehended me very severely saying that a person must be vicious indeed to go astray in so godly a household where i had none but the most holy and religious examples before my eyes i knew not what answer to make to this address i felt my cheeks burn and my eyes involuntarily cast down 
all these indications of shame and confusion were construed to my disadvantage until at length sick at heart and weary and disgusted my very life seemed a burden to me and many times i felt tempted to destroy myself but the thoughts of my parents my poor brothers and sisters that my small earnings helped to maintain deterred me from ending my sorrows by death i therefore resigned myself to my wretched fate finding one consolation amidst the degradation of my lot in the thought that at least i had preserved my father from the horrors of a prison but a fresh misfortune overwhelmed me i became enceinte i now felt myself lost indeed a secret presentiment assured me that when m ferrand became aware of a circumstance which ought at least to have rendered him less harsh and cruel he would treat me even more unkindly than before i was still however far from expecting what afterwards occurred at this moment morel recovering from his temporary abstraction gazed around him as though trying to collect his ideas then pressing his hand upon his forehead looked at his daughter with an inquiring glance and said i fancy i have been ill or something is wrong with my head grief fatigue tell me my child what were you saying just now i seem almost unable to recollect when continued louise unheeding her father's look when m ferrand discovered that i was likely to become a mother here the lapidary waved his hand in despairing agony but rodolph calmed him by an imploring look yes yes said morel let me hear all tis fit and right the tale should be told go on go on my girl and i will listen from beginning to end louise went on i besought m ferrand to tell me by what means i should conceal my shame and the consequence of a crime of which he was the author alas dear father i can scarcely hope or believe you will credit what i am about to tell you what did he say speak interrupting me with much indignation and well-feigned surprise he affected not to understand my meaning and even inquired whether i had lost my senses terrified i exclaimed oh sir what is to become of me alas if you have no pity on me pity at least the poor infant that must soon see the light what a lost depraved character cried m ferrand raising his clasped hands towards heaven horrible indeed why you poor wretched girl is it possible that you have the audacity to accuse me of disgracing myself by any illicit acquaintance with a person of your infamous description can it be that you have the hardihood to lay the fruits of your immoral conduct and gross irregularity at my door i who have repeated a hundred times in the presence of respectable witnesses that you would come to ruin some day vile profligate that you are quit my house this instant or i will drive you out rodolph and morel were struck with horror a system of wickedness like this seemed to freeze their blood by heaven cried rodolph this surpasses any horrors that imagination could have conceived morel did not speak but his eyes expanded fearfully whilst a convulsive spasm contracted his features he quitted the stool on which he was sitting opened a drawer suddenly and taking out a long and very sharp file fixed in a wooden handle he rushed towards the door rodolph guessing his thoughts seized his arm and stopped his progress morel where are you going you will do a mischief unhappy man take care exclaimed the infuriated artisan struggling or i shall commit two crimes instead of one and the madman threatened rodolph 
father it is our benefactor exclaimed louise he is jesting at us he wants to save the notary replied morel quite crazed and struggling with rodolph at the end of a second the latter disarmed him carefully opened the door and threw the file out on the staircase louise ran to the lapidary embraced him and said father it is our benefactor you have raised your hand against him recover yourself these words recalled morel to himself and hiding his face in his hands he fell mutely on his knees before rodolph rise rise unhappy father said rodolph in accents of great kindness be patient be patient i understand your wrath and share your hatred but in the name of your vengeance do not compromise your daughter louise my daughter cried the lapidary rising but what can justice the law do against that we are but poor wretches and were we to accuse this rich powerful and respected man we should be laughed to scorn ha 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 and he laughed convulsively and they would be right where would be our proofs yes our proofs no one would believe us so i tell you i tell you he added with increased fury i tell you that i have no confidence but in the impartiality of my knife silence morel your grief distracts you said rodolph to him sorrowfully let your daughter speak the moments are precious the magistrate waits i must know all all i tell you go on my child morel fell back on the stool overwhelmed with his anguish it is useless sir continued louise to tell you of my tears my prayers i was thunderstruck this took place at ten o'clock in the morning in m ferrand's private room the curate was coming to breakfast with him and entered at the moment when my master was assailing me with reproach and accusations he appeared much put out at the sight of the priest what occurred then oh he soon recovered himself and exclaimed call him by name well monsieur l'abbé i said so i said this unhappy girl would be undone she is ruined ruined for ever she has just confessed to me her fault and her shame and entreated me to save her only think that from commiseration i have received such a wanton into my house how said the abbe to me with indignation in spite of the excellent counsels which your master has given you a hundred times in my presence have you really sunk so low oh it is unpardonable my friend my friend after the kindness you have evinced towards this wretched girl and her family any pity would be weakness be inexorable said the abbe the dupe like the rest of the world of m ferrand's hypocrisy End of chapter two part two read by celine major